0: You're listening to the Homeschooling Families podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's podcast, Whitney Newby of Brighter Day Press is joining me to talk all about navigating the library when the resources there can make it a rather dangerous place for children if we aren't careful. She'll give us some incredibly practical ideas for preparing our children for library time, how we can make sure that the resources we're bringing home are good for our kiddos, and even what to do when we discover that they aren't. I know you're going to appreciate her insight and be encouraged as you listen in, so stay tuned. Before we dive in, I want to make sure that you know about our free Sunday night email called Homeschool Subjects. We put it together to encourage and equip you in such a way that it'll take you 15 minutes or less to read it over and check out the resources and links we share there. Homeschool Subjects will jumpstart your week and get you off on the right foot each time. Plus, once you sign up, you can share Homeschool Subjects with your friends using your unique referral link to earn fun homeschool swag beginning with just one referral. Go to homeschoolsubjects.com to learn more and sign up today. Again, that's homeschoolsubjects.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Creating a Masterpiece. Creating a Masterpiece provides award-winning drawing classes for your children, taught by an expert instructor, and we can't recommend them highly enough. This award-winning program is designed by master artist and teacher Sharon Hofer to empower students who love to draw. Drawing is a skill anyone can learn. And the method that creating a masterpiece uses really does ensure success and will get your children excited about art. You can learn more about creating a masterpiece by going to creatingamasterpiece.com. Again, go to creatingamasterpiece.com to learn more today. I am so excited to have Whitney Newby joining us today. Whitney, welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Thank you so much I'm excited to be here Well I am thrilled to have you we um, we enjoyed getting to know you a little bit through our back to homeschool conference and kind of following along your your family's journey on Instagram and stuff so why don't you tell us for those who haven't haven't met you yet virtually or in person tell us a little bit about yourself and your family so that we kind of know who we're talking to today. Sure.
1: So I am a pastor's wife. I've been married for almost 14 years and we have four children that are nine, seven, five, and three. So we're on the odd numbers right now, (laughs) which is helpful. Um, Three boys and a girl. And we live in um, here in Fort Worth, Texas. And I run a business ministry called Brighter Day Press. And we create uh, literature-rich gospel-centered resources for families to Mm -hmm. navigate um, teaching in their homes and so we do holiday guides we do morning time guides um, some Bible
0: studies for moms and just various other resources well that is awesome I love how you you called it literature rich gospel centered resources that is that is a great yes that is a great. A great hole that you're filling, um, and it really gives a lot of context as to why we're going to be talking today about literature and about finding good books for your kids. Yes, it is a topic that I am so passionate about because it
1: has affected my own family so much. So,
0: yeah, and we were we were just talking before we got on the podcast today. My kids, who are now basically grown, the we're never impacted by this craziness that we're seeing in the, the books that are showing up on library shelves in schools, the the messaging that these kids are getting confronted with day in and day out. It was still there, but it was way more subtle. It was way less in your face than it is right now. And so I am so thankful that Whitney is here to actually help us learn how to navigate Helping our kids love learning, love reading, and finding books that are worth their while. Yes. So, so you're
1: you're right. It it wasn't a problem even five years ago from my perspective. It's mm-hmm. just been in the last few years.
0: So why do you think that it has come about so quickly? I mean the the amount of resources that are there now that are utterly inappropriate. Have they all been created in the last five years or have they just been pushed to the forefront in the last five years?
1: Man, I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. And I think um, it's kind of a trickle down from our culture saying this is what's important. This is what we want to teach our kids. And it trickles down into our our libraries and our school libraries where, you know, a lot of us believe that um, we're like, I'm personally against censorship of books so any books should be available to families if they want to go looking for them but all of a sudden these really inappropriate books are on display so they are unavoidable when you walk into the library and We've had experiences with that, even with my three and four and five year olds walking into a library during Gay Pride Month, for example, and just seeing, you know, board books with two men on a cake, um, Mm -hmm. like two grooms on a cake and the gay BCs and just eliciting all these questions that I was not prepared to answer to my four and five year olds. So it is a new day in our culture and it's something we need to be really mindful of.
0: Yeah, it really is and it's something that we cannot just stick our heads in the sand about either. And so that actually kind of leads into one of the questions that I would have for you and that is how do how do we navigate the library now? You know, for so long, homeschool families, one of our big weekly activities was going to the library, getting all the books and, you know, filling the big bags with books, all of these things. And now it just feels like it's such a dangerous place and you have to work so hard So how do families navigate that, or do we just kind of stop going and, you know, let our books be delivered to us? Right, right. Yeah, I think every family has to navigate
1: it as they see fit. And it varies a lot in different parts of the country from Mm -hmm. what I've heard. So there may be families that say, you know what, I just cannot go to my library safely anymore. I'm just going to reserve them online. I'll go in and pick them up. And that is, you know, their prerogative. Um, But I would, I would. I would say there are a few things that we do to prepare our children as we go into the library. So one of them is we talk about the Bible verse Philippians 4, 8, and it says, uh, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And this is the verse that guides our family as we look at books of the library, because the books we allow into our home bring ideas that shape our minds and hearts. And that's not just for kids. That is for adults as well. We have to be discerning about the books that we allow into our home to shape the ideas in our minds and hearts. And so that doesn't mean that we just choose Christian books or books that are devoid of conflict, but we do strive to uh, choose books that promote good character, that model respect, and really that point to hope. And so when we're on our way to the library, we talk about that verse. And then I also tell my kids, especially my older ones, that as the mom, I get to be the gatekeeper of our home. And so it's my job to ultimately decide what comes in and out, and that's because I love you. I only want the best books in our home because I really love you and want to protect you. And so um, so that's just kind of a conversation we have on our way before I let them loose to peruse the shelves um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to just kind of say, you know, this is ultimately my job to help right. you navigate these
0: books. Well, it, practically – So st-
1: another thing that we do – yeah. Uh,
0: well, I was going to ask kind of as a, as a follow-up on that – Since you are the gatekeeper, do you feel compelled to pre-read everything that comes in or, you know, do you kind of have you're familiar with some authors or how do you how do you do that? Because the older your kids get, it becomes really hard to pre-read everything before you bring it in.
1: It does. It's, I think it's impossible with, yeah. with two voracious readers reading chapter books and specifically chapter books. I mean, I, there's no way I could pre-read everything. So every week I do, um, I use a few resources. So I love the book, Honey for a Child's Heart hmm. by Gladys Hunt. There is an updated version of that and it is excellent. And it's, Um, recommendations of picture books, but also chapter books. So I use that. I use, there's another book called Books Children Love by Elizabeth Wilson. I also love The Read Aloud Family by Sarah McKenzie. I have these, um, I actually highlight the ones that we've already done so that I can quickly flip through and see what we haven't done. And I go ahead and reserve books at the library so that I know even if we don't find anything good on the shelves, (laughs) we're going to bring home Some great books. And over time, I call myself a book concierge. I feel like I'm constantly, you know, giving out these recommendations to my kids, but I have become kind of, I mean, an expert in my own way of of good children's literature and what I would consider quality children's literature. And so I've learned authors that I really trust and um, publishers that I trust. And so Mm -hmm. we try to stick to those. However, um, we have a rule that when my kids, go to the library, they can pick out as many books as they can carry. So with four kids, that's a lot of books. There's no way I can vet all of those books before we leave the library. So I let them go ahead and check them out. Some of them are not my personal taste, but they're not harmful. And Mm -hmm. that's fine with me. Um, But when we get home, we put them all on the kitchen table. I take a look at them and then I send them to their rooms if they feel okay. However, with chapter books, there are a couple of resources I use if I'm not familiar with the book or with the author. Um, There's a website called uh, Mm redeemedreader.com that has excellent reviews of books. There's also one called pluggedin.com. There's commonsensemedia.org. I use all of those. If I still can't find the information that I'm looking for, sometimes I'll look at Amazon and look at their one and two star reviews because parents are really good at <laughs> telling you what they don't like about yeah. certain books. And um, usually I can find what I'm looking for and decide based on that if it's going to be a good fit for our family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and ultimately, too, when you're going there and you're talking about what is true and lovely and honorable and a good report and praiseworthy and all of these things, as parents, it's our job. It's our goal to to train our children to be discerning. So as they get older, you know, even in those chapter books that everything would look like it's fine, I've had kids bring me books back and they're like I don't think I should be reading this. So that is yes. another thing that I think we need to to bear in mind is that when our children are confronted with something and and you know, we can talk about what to do in that point Um, in just a second. But when they are confronted with something that they know isn't right, we want to train them that we are the person that they bring it to. We are, you know, you run, you know, just like Joseph in Potiphar's house, you run, you get out of there because you don't want to linger where things are wrong.
1: Exactly. And it's inevitable that they're going to encounter a book with something inappropriate, even from your own house. If you have a book from, you know, who knows they could encounter it Um, not just at the library, but using those moments as teaching opportunities, because we want them to have that foundation of being able to discern. They're not always going to be able to come to us and discern. So we have to lay that foundation. And honestly, I think the only way to do that is to consistently be in God's word together and to talk about it. And I mean that is going to lay that really strong foundation, so they do know right from wrong, and they can sense it when um, when they encounter it, you know, in a book.
0: Well, exactly, and this is where it's a real weakness in just giving your children a checklist of do's and don'ts as being kind of what the gospel is, rather we want to teach them to think yes. biblically, which, which is going to introduce them to a whole lot more than just do's and don'ts and getting down to what's in your heart that boils over and you know what is in your heart comes out your mouth and all of these things, what you yes. look on, what you think on. And that is why it is so important to take the time to have those conversations, even I would say when, you know, in the aftermath of them seeing something, how do you take advantage of those moments if, when they have seen something and they bring it to you? Yeah. So one thing that I said when, when
1: my daughter actually brought me a book that was wildly inappropriate from our children's library, um, and, it looked like a children's book because it had cartoons and like colorful, engaging illustrations, but the content was, um, was not for a seven-year-old to find. And, um, and so one thing I said was some books look like children's books because they are colorful and illustrated, but this content is not for kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's also a great opportunity to remind them that there is one perfect book. The Bible. That's it. That every other book has the potential to contain lies that go against scripture. And so just because it's published, just because it's on display in our local library, does not mean it's true. And so I think that's important for them to kind of understand and just be aware. I also think with um, laying the foundation, I mean, right now, gender and marriage and the culture's definitions of those things are so pervasive in our libraries. That's the majority of what you find that's like, why is this in the children's section? Why are we talking about this with our three and four and five-year-olds? But laying a foundation, a biblical foundation, there are two books that I recommend. Um, One is God Made Boys and Girls by Marty Mikowski. It's excellent. And even reading that with your young ones is really helpful to lay a biblical foundation. And then there's also a book called A Child's First Book About Marriage Hmm. by Jannie Ortland. that is excellent and appropriate for, for any age. Wow. So I recommend both of those.
0: Well, we'll be sure to link to those along with all these other sites that you've already mentioned because um, there's such sure. good resources that are available to families that they may not have have known about. One thing that I would say on top yes. of, you know, just kind of layering on what you've said, what I have found through the years is that sometimes as we're teaching our children to be discerning. The, the secular books, the glaringly obvious, immoral, whatever books are much easier mm-hmm. sometimes than even some of the ones that would paint themselves as Christian books that have error in it. And so teaching our kids, even in those things, to be able to discern the difference between what is actually true and what is veering off and you know, that it's just a little deceptive there. Totally.
1: I've noticed one of the themes that comes up in a lot of um, like middle grade fiction and young adult um, fiction is the questioning of authority. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's a small one. You know, it's small, it's subtle. But when it's like, well you know, hiding things from parents and things like that. And so that's one thing that I've had to look at a lot. Like I don't want, I don't want my kids to obey blindly, but I also don't want them to encourage to hide things from me through right. a book that otherwise has great content, but there's that. So something to be
0: aware of. Well, and, and just like with the glaringly obvious stuff, you are able to use that those subtle deceptions, those those little things, the the little hints at rebellion or whatever that you may find in books as good building points for strengthening your relationship and making making it even more natural for them to discuss those things with you and to know how to deal with them because. You know, as much as we would love to shelter our children in every way and just make their childhood perfect and lovely and never any pain or or, you know, introduction of anything, we can't do that. We live right. in a fallen world. And so we have to remember that we've got to equip them to deal with with lies that are gonna come at them from a myriad of different ways. And so we wanna use every tool that we have and every conversation that we're able to have to make them ready for whatever they're gonna face in the days ahead.
1: Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I know one thing that I think has helped um, with my own kids is when they bring me a book that is inappropriate, to not act just totally shocked, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but to just say, okay, let's talk about this. Why would this not be something that we bring into our home? And not, you know, because I don't, I want them to feel comfortable to bring it to me in the future. And I'm not overreacting to it. Of course, it's out there. Because, Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy, you know? But as Christians, we are to be salt, to preserve a dying culture, and to be light pushing back the darkness. And so this kind of stuff should not be surprising to us,
0: you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I have found through the years that. Not being shocked at keeping that that dialogue open, making them feel like they can bring me anything. And sometimes that is, Lord, don't let what I'm thinking show on my face. Because you know, it is yeah, exactly. there are some things that are horrifying. And that extends even to questions that they may ask as they're trying to figure out their faith or they're trying, you know, all of these things. They can be a little unnerving and they can make you want to feel anxious, but that's where you go back to what God has called you to do. And the one who is, who is keeping you and your children right in the palm of his hand and trust that he will give you the words to answer in a way that will be helpful and, and strengthen those relationships and really point your kids to him where, you know, which is the only source of truth.
1: Totally. I mean, yes, I've never felt. Like I have to rely on the Lord more than in those moments, you know, when I don't have all the answers for you, but what does God's word say? What, you know, or I'm just praying in my head that the spirit will give me what to say to them in that moment because he is such a better parent than Mm -hmm. I am. (laughs) So he's parenting me as I'm parenting them. And, you know, often I'm able to give wisdom that I wouldn't have if I'm not relying on him in those moments.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I found, you know, I have um, written many times through the years about how I've prayed scripture for my kids all the way through. Um, and I realized as they got older and I looked back at how many times God would answer those specific prayers by the way that he was directing me, by the ideas that he was giving me to kind of help point them in the direction I was praying they would go. And by the way that he would fill my, my mouth with words in a moment that I knew full well didn't come from myself. <laughs> I'm not that wise. I'm not yes. that creative. All of those things that <laughs> God is. And he is he delights in answering our prayer and in doing his will so that he can get the glory. And, and that's what I think that when we allow ourselves to become anxious about the culture, about all of this wickedness that our children are confronted with day in and day out, we forget the one who is in control of all of it. And the one who delights to use us as parents to shepherd the hearts of our children. And that is a really great place to be recognizing that he is in control and we can trust him day in and day out. That is such
1: a good place. And I, I understand when families feel like the library is a minefield because Mm. it kind of is and you do it does feel kind of overwhelming but when I've talked to Christian librarians about you know this issue they the overwhelming comment that I get is Christians should not forsake using the library even if you're just reserving books because it's kind of a supply and demand Mm. situation so the more a book is checked out the more it's going to stay in circulation. And so if all the Christians just said, you know what, we're done with the library. It's too dark. It's too scary. We're not going to use it anymore and support it at all. Then it makes way for a lot of unwholesome books to take the place of those books that we were constantly checking out. And so I thought that was so interesting. That's something really simple we can do to push back darkness. Another thing we can do is request that they purchase specific books Hmm. and I've actually had a lot of success with this. I, there is, um, on most library websites, there is a request to reconsider a specific book where you go in and and fill out a book that you don't feel should be in the children's section. And here's why. And this is not just for Christians. This is for anyone that wants to see wholesome books in the library and unwholesome books, you know, just morally and developmentally inappropriate books, not within, like at eye level for your children. And honestly, I have not had good success in that. So I have tried to request that certain books even be moved to a higher shelf Mm -hmm. and it's been formally denied. They've said no to that. But all of the books that I've requested for purchase Hmm. have been purchased. And that's like the Gospel Story Bible and (laughs) these ones about marriage that I was talking about. They've said, sure, if they know that you're going to check them out, then they will purchase them. And so, um, so I've requested them. And then I request that my friends go in and check them out frequently because there's a tally on the library website that shows the number of checkouts. And if there is a certain number, they order another copy. And so that's just some way, you know, something that we can do as believers that really is kind of pushing back the darkness that we see
0: taking over. Yeah, that's, those are things that I would have never thought of, honestly. Um, I mean, I've heard of people requesting yeah. books to be, you know, purchased, but to actually strategically look at what is there and what is not, and to almost form a campaign to to get good stuff brought in and, and lock arms and do it together as a homeschool community, that is so valuable for your families at large to actually make that a priority in your community. Um, that is a great idea. Yeah. It's,
1: it's been really neat because I've shared this on my Instagram account and I'm hearing from people all over the country, even places in the country, you would not expect to be purchasing Christian books and putting them on their shelves. And they're like, it's working (laughs) people. They're actually purchasing these books and we're finding these wholesome books on our shelves. And again, it's not just for Christians, um, or for just Christian books, but to put Pull some books back on the shelves to take the place of some of these others. So, um, you know, the the public library is for us, for the public. Like we, our tax dollars are paying for it, and so our our voices matter, or at least yeah. they should. And in this way, our voices are being heard, and so it is encouraging to see.
0: Yeah, that is that is just a great, great, great idea, and I'm so glad that you brought it up. Sitting here, I I need to tell all the young moms in church to start mobilizing and doing this because (laughs) it is. I mean, it's just great. And you know, I live in the buckle of the Bible Belt, so you know it may not be quite as quite as far gone here as in other places. I honestly haven't looked at the children's section for a while, but I know it's coming. Whether it's already here or not, we need to be proactive, no matter where we are, and and strategically look at how we can safeguard this resource for our children. And for their friends and and so on for years to come.
1: Yes, because it's not just for our kids. Obviously, it's for our communities, yep. and it makes a difference what all of these kids are reading and how it's affecting them and how they grow into adults that have children. I mean, it is. Um, I've actually heard someone told me that in a public school, the two most important influential people are the school principal and the librarian, because the librarian is the one that is bringing in those books and ideas. And again, those are what shape our minds and hearts, and they're shaping generations. And Hmm. so it really matters that we stay involved in our public libraries.
0: It really does. And honestly, I had not considered really the importance of it. Again, I'm, I am, this is an area where I'm just removed and I'm not seeing it personally. So I had not even, I had not even considered the impact of all of this on families and on our communities and, you know, generations like you noted. And so I am so glad that you are talking about it. We are, we are running low on time, but I want you to tell us a little bit about Brighter Day Press and, and how you you bring these resources to life, and why why you've chosen to use these literature-rich resources to make available for families.
1: Sure. So it actually started by um, my idea to just write down the morning time plans that our family was using, how we start our days with scripture, with scripture memory, with um, singing a couple of hymns. And a little bit of artist and composer study and some read aloud suggestions, and kind of put it in one package. So it wasn't overwhelming. There's just a little bit each day. But I had seen so much fruit in my own family that I wanted to make that available mm-hmm. to other families. So that was two and a half years ago. And I had no idea that it would become more than just that. You know, that was. Um, That was a small start. But since then, we've done all kinds of holiday guides. And those are some of my favorite things that we do. So for example, uh, Reformation Day is coming up. And for us, for our family, the more I kind of read and just researched about Halloween and realized, you know what, this is not something that my family is going to participate in. We had kind of mildly participated like at a trunk or treat, dressing up whatever but the more that I read it was like oh wow Reformation Day is on the same day October 31st and it has been celebrated for 450 years and so when I started writing this guide for example um, that has um, interactive games and history lessons and books that you can read with your kids, and rich theology. And I put it in one guide that is easy to implement for families. You don't need a teaching degree. You don't need a seminary degree. It is totally open and go. It's just been amazing to see families navigating these holidays through a biblical worldview. And so that is our goal. And we have a lot of holidays now. I'm not sure even how many. Like Valentine's Day is another favorite that we look at. The different kinds of love in the Bible, so and how they're expressed, and where they are in Scripture, and then also book recommendations that go with each kind. So philia, friendship, love, eros, like romantic love. So we're we're learning, but also um, kind of establishing that biblical worldview right. for our kids.
0: Right. Well, and so many of the holidays give us opportunity to, I mean, mix up our homeschool a little bit, which as someone who got easily bored, that was always, I always enjoyed that. Yes. But also, like you noted, you're able to to dig into biblical concepts concepts surrounding these holidays. Thanksgiving, you're able to look at gratitude yes. and what Thanksgiving actually means. Love around Valentine's Day and so many others, we could just go on and on and on. So many of our holidays actually have a hook into things that are so very biblical and they give us great great opportunities. So I'm so glad that you put those together and made it so easy for families to use. Yes, thank you. It has been
1: such a joy and just fun to put together the things that I want to use for my own family's family and then share it with other families. I mean, we've I've learned so much personally, even looking at St. Patrick's Day, and all I really knew about it was, you know, green and beer <laughs> and parades. And I mean, that's all you really see through our culture. But he was he had a fascinating life, um, that he led a life of courage and sacrifice for the Lord. And so let's look at their real meaning, you know? And so it's been so much fun.
0: Oh, I'm so, so glad. Well, where can we find all of these resources and how can we connect with you for those that would like to follow and get to know you better after this podcast?
1: Yes, so brighterdaypress.com is where we have all of our resources and also blog posts to help you start homeschooling. There's all kinds of information there. And then um, my
0: Instagram handle is brighterdaypress, so you can find me there. All right. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing you know, just really great information about how to navigate the library, what the thought process is, and how we can use these as discipleship tools, really from start to finish. It was, it's been a, a great joy to have you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a joy to be here.
0: Well, good. To everyone else, thank you for hanging out with us today. I am confident that this has been an encouragement and a great help to you. Go lock arms with your friends. Let's let's start seeing some positive changes in our libraries as we are strategically asking for good literature to be put on the shelves and and even requesting that some be taken off. And and be very very careful and very strategic in the way that you are shepherding your children's hearts surrounding the literature that they are reading and seeing. It gives us some great opportunities, but we've got to be looking for them. So um, I'm sure that all the things that Whitney shared today has really given you a lot to think about. So I hope that you will uh, follow up with her, check out her Instagram, check out her resources on Brighter Day Press, and I look forward to talking to you again. We'll see. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live teach them diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the teach them diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that teach them diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.